0: In Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now you have to appreciate, well I'll, I'll save that for my, my opening remarks here when we get going. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For the next few moments, I want to talk to us about the weakness of of God, the weakness of God. Let's put our Bibles down, and one more time, let's pray. Let's pray earnestly this morning that God would talk to us. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I pray that you speak to every heart in a world that's filled with invisible voices, invisible influence. I pray for the voice of the Holy Ghost to speak loud and clear in every heart, in every life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You maybe see it. Mr. Soundman, if I could have a little bit more monitor. I know you guys are trying to spare my hear- hearing, but that's why I need more monitor. Testing one, two, three, a little higher. Testing one, two, that's good. Thank you, Mr. Soundman. You have to appreciate the power of these words that I read in your hearing this morning, to the unsuspecting Bible student reading 1 Corinthians like this, Paul is giving not just the breadth of the scope of Judaism and the influence of the Hellenistic age, which of course would be Greece and the Greeks. But the Apostle Paul is hot on the heels of being at Mars Hill, at Mars Hill in Acts chapter number 17. The Apostle Paul did not have great revival. And if you will, this is why to have a historic understanding of the scriptures, specifically the book of Acts, it will enrich the book of Acts and actually give more continuity to the spiritual understanding of the book of Acts. It's not just a history book. There is, there is purpose in the book of Acts. And when you read what happened at Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul did not follow apostolic um, script. Apostolic script is, is that when you stand before men, think not what you will say, for the Holy Ghost will give you what words to say. We know that's true because that is the testimony of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter number 26. In both of those settings, he was standing before political forces, and he gave his testimony of hearing a voice. In Acts chapter number 17, when the Apostle Paul went to Mars Hill, it was the apex of philosophical thought. Mars Hill represented much like a university, going to a place where the entirety of their time was given to hearing new things and exploring new things. And when the Apostle Paul got to Mars Hill, he did not follow The Holy Ghost, as much as he did, he fabricated what some biblical expositors to believe. This is how off, in my opinion, in my theological opinion, this is how off modern-day commentators can be, because they believe that the sermon that he preached on Mars Hill was homiletically. You have hermeneutics, which is interpretation, and homiletics, which is the presentation, an ordered presentation of the Word of God to be either given in a Bible study, teaching, preaching, whatever. But they believe that that was homiletically one of the greatest messages that the Apostle Paul, if not the apex of his ministry. The problem is nobody got the Holy Ghost. Nobody got baptized. There was no revival. There was nothing. It was him matching swords with the Epicureans and Stoics. The Epicureans believed that life was designed for excess. Life was for pleasure. And pleasure was for life. The Stoics believe in almost um, a monasterial approach to life, that we should should, uh, extract ourselves from culture and live in monasteries and behind walls and live a very ordered, I mean, ordered to where it's just not even reasonable. But that was the basis of Stoicism. And so the Apostle Paul went to Mars Hill, and he talked about specific things He did try to bring in some aspects of uh, the incommunicable attributes of God. It's the only place where you will find where the Apostle Paul included the incommunicable attributes of God in a message. And nobody was converted. And so he immediately goes to Corinth, which is where we are picking this up here in chapter number 1. And so Fresh on the mind of the Apostle Paul is his, the feeling that he had being among people that thought that they were so smart that they were smarter than he was. And of course, the Apostle Paul is considered to be one of the most brilliant men that ever lived. Raised at the feet of Gamaliel. Um, Just, he was an incredible man even before uh, Jesus got a hold of him. But after Jesus got a hold of him, he was. A thrashing tool in the hand of God. And so, on the mind of the Apostle Paul, is what you're reading here when it says, The Jews require a sign. Everything about them was about the fulfillment of prophecy, and I got to have a sign. Well, Jesus was their sign. And as you already know and well know, much of Judaism had yet to be converted. But he said that the Greeks are after wisdom. They have an insatiable desire to know. But it is not to know God. It is the human acquisition and the process of intellectualism to to try to extract as much knowledge out of life, hence uh, the Hellenistic, the background of the Hellenistic and the influence of Greece and the Hellenistic world gave us Socrates and Plato and some of the greatest philosophers the world has ever known. Well, the Apostle Paul came face-to-face with this when he went to Mars Hill. So here in chapter number 1, he is in his own way, he's calling it like he saw it. And he says in our text, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified and unto the Jews a stumbling block because they did not believe that Jesus was indeed the Savior. And to the Greeks, it's foolish. They did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the, uh, that God could become a man or would become a man. They did not believe in monotheism. They believed in polythe- polytheism. They believed in mythology, and so the Apostle Paul is is addressing this, and this is why this particular, when you overlay that with Acts chapter number 17, it makes this a lot more powerful if you know where he's coming from. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When we theologically analyze God and we begin to review what is known of God, not just by, cre- by creation according to Romans chapter number 1, but we learn about God from the Word of God. We can theologically ascertain some of the characteristics of God through the Word of God. But when we review God's attributes, we find that He is omnipotent. It even uses that word in Romans chapter number 1, that through creation we would understand God's omnipotence and Godhead. That simply means that God has all power. He is all potent. He is immutable. The Bible uses the word immutable. It means that he does not change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the congregation say amen. The Bible reveals to us that he is omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnisapient, which means he is all-wise. He not only knows everything, but he is all-wise, which means he understands completely and entirely the application of what he knows and how to apply it. He is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at once. And in case you're wondering what the word omni means, it means all. He is ubiquitous. Now, that's different from omnipresent. Ubiquitous means that he is in the same attendance everywhere at the same time, which means nothing escapes the notice of God. Are you with me? This is our pre-Christmas message. Isn't it wonderful? He is ubiquitous. Now when you get into God's spatial qualities, his infinitude, it means that he has no beginning and he has no end. He is eternal, his eternitude. Infinity is according to space and eternities according to time. So God has no beginning and no end and he has no beginning no end according to space his substance what he is. And then you have his immensitude. Which means that the the known universe which according to college professors somewhere said that the universe is continuing to expand. Well, if it's expanding, it's expanding in God, that God was already outside of the created universe and that the known universe or the un- even the unknown, if as long as it's created, is expanding within God. In other words, God is big. In other words, God is powerful. In other words, God knows everything. You're not just here, you're not here worshiping junior God. You're not here worshiping the mighty God and there's an almighty God. No, 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 no. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God and Father above all, through all, and in you all. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm glad that I can stand here today and tell you that we're not following after carefully crafted tales of supposed religious men that birthed the Reformation period. It's amazing how that modern man looks back in history and says the people that didn't even have a fraction of the information and the communication and the interaction that, like we do in the 21st century were somehow wiser and smarter than people in the 21st century. And that's because that's, that's an easy way out because they can't be cross-examined, they can't be challenged, You can't have a conversation with them. But I'm here to tell you that nothing trumps the word of God. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Lord, let's clap our hands and give him praise. The greatest revelation ever given to a mortal is that God is one. And so in review of all these attributes and in review of all these Theological observations. I find no weakness. I find no weakness in God. If if you had to be put on the spot and you were able to fully articulate this in, in a way that it could be fully expressed and understood, the only case it could be made of a known weakness outside of the Scripture where we're going here today is to say that when God expresses himself, God limits himself. When God is unexpressed, he has all power. But the minute that he expresses himself and there becomes a manifestation of the logos, the thought, the word, or the expression of God, it is a limitation. It becomes finite because only God himself is infinite. So the only limitation known to God, that's a better word than weakness, the only limitation known to God is when he expresses himself and that which is invisible becomes visible and that which is supernatural becomes natural and that which is unseen becomes seen. Man, I sure hope you guys drank some coffee today. I help you stay awake. So God has no known weakness. I love this. Let's read a few more scriptures here because. Using our theological analysis here this morning, we find no weakness, no shortcoming, nothing. Look at this scripture here in verse number 22. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Both of these requirements were met. Because in Galatians four and four it said in the fullness of time God sent forth a son made of a woman. But the book of Romans fully articulates to us that Christ was a stumbling block because they did not believe him. But it doesn't mean that God didn't do it. See, you can sit here today and say, I don't believe that. That don't mean it's not true. That just means you're an unbeliever. You can sit here and watch this and say, well, all that's not necessary. That don't mean it's not real. That just means you don't believe it. You can watch these people run around all day till your face is blue and say, I shouldn't have to do that. That don't mean it's not real. That just means you ain't doing it. The Jews require a sign, and God gave it. And the, and the Greeks require wisdom, and God gave it. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I've received the prophecy, and I've received the knowledge from another world. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's raise this roof here today and give God the praise. Yeah. Yeah. Just because the Jews didn't believe didn't mean their king didn't appear. There's a lot of people that attend this church on a weekly basis, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm trying to con, confront some spirits. See, when people come out of this world and you come into this church the very first thing that has to be dealt with is your thought life. And when you've been entertaining things all week, that I guess God can't do this and I guess God can't do that, I'm going to confront to you that God has no limitation. God has all power. God's everywhere at once. God knows everything. If it ain't happening, it's you don't believe it'll happen. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph right now. Let's get apostolic faith in here and watch God do the miraculous. Woo! Hallelujah. God responded. Look at verse number 18. This is our first bullet point to start connecting the dots. Look at verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I don't care who comes into this sanctuary. I don't care who visits this church. I don't care who has more degrees than a thermometer. Honey, you may call it foolishness, but we call it the power of an almighty God. You come here and visit this church today and say this is a bunch of baloney. But to me, it is the power of a resurrection, and I'm waiting for his second appearing. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what this world thinks. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish. Why would I listen to somebody that's going to hell? Why would I listen to somebody that ain't living right? Why would I listen to somebody's opinion that's not walking with God? Why would I listen to somebody that can't flick their cigarette, can't get rid of their bottle, can't get rid of the drugs, can't pull the bitterness out, can't get rid of an ugliness? Why would I listen to somebody? But to them that perish, it's foolishness. But to you and I, the hands go up. The aisles are for running. The pray. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the shouting? What are you going to do with the praising? What you... But to them that perish, it's a bunch of foolishness. Well, you got to be careful who you listen to. You know, some people come in here. Man, you ain't got to do all this. Well, let's stop and talk to that guy that was running the aisles. Stop. Where were you two years ago? I was on my way to hell. I was lost. I was about to lose my mind. I was on enough psychotropic drugs to put the Titanic down. And somebody invited me to Cornerstone. (laughs) Who are we going to listen to, The Critic? on somebody I'm trying to reach you that you're in the right place here today I can care less what the world thinks I can care less what the foolish think it's wise to lift your hands it's wise to lift your voice it's wise to praise the king it's wise to run these aisles clap your hands and lift your voice it is the power of God Come on, somebody, get outside of yourself. I rebuke a holiday spirit, brother Mike. I ate enough food last night. I'm trying to do better, but you go to these holiday deals, and it's almost like it's almost like brother Tim. You're not being polite. Have you another piece, Brother Mayo. (laughs) Have you another piece, Brother Mayo. I guess I'll just take it easy in church tomorrow. No way, Jose. I remember where I come from. I remember who I was. I remember what I'd done. I (laughs) remember... Praise doesn't count the cost. Praise is based on what he did, on who he is, on where he's at, and where I'm going. Come on, let's give him one last shout together. Somebody. With a voice of triumph. The reason why verse 18 is so important is because God is confronting The flawed judgment and opinion of fickle humanity. It's not that God is foolish, but the Bible calls it the foolishness of God. And the Bible calls it the weakness of God. It's not that God is foolish. It's not that God has weakness. That is the opinion of people that don't know what they got. God is putting a saddle, and Paul is putting a saddle on his memory of Mars Hill. And he said, I'm going to set the record straight. I wish those Epicureans and Stoics were here because you think that the preaching of the cross is foolish and God is weak. No, 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 my friend. God is neither foolish and God is neither weak, but we call it the power of God unto salvation. You know, what, you know what the main deal is? Because I've talked to people. This is the number. There's other reasons, okay? This is the number one reason why people have a problem committing to this. And they choose to stick with a lesser doctrine. I'm going to tell you why. Because this one costs too much. This one does not just ask for you to show up like, like a well-trained Pavlov exper- Pavlov's dog where you just know that's where you go and you show up and you were raised. No, 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 no. You have to make a conscious choice. I know what that apostle's doctrine is all about. I know what that washing of regeneration is all about. I know what that doctrine is all about. I know I've got to come out from among them and be separate. I know I'm in a perfect holiness in the fear of God. I know I've got to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I know that I've got to be separate. I know I've got to turn the television off. I know I've got to get rid of movies. I know I got to get rid of drinking. I know I got to get rid of cussing. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The price tag is too high. Heaven is going to be cheap at any cost. You mean this is all I had to do? To walk on a street of gold? You mean this is all I had to do? Was to have my right mind? (laughs) To have the baptism of reality and sanity? To have a direction and a power that's from another world? To have the God of eternity walking in me, through me, every single day of my life? That is a small... Somebody help me. Don't make me work so hard. Come on, somebody. have got to appreciate this. The Pew Foundation. Don't laugh. That's the name of, the, that's the, name of the, the leading statistician in America. It's not the Barna Group. It's the Pew Foundation. What kind of an irony is that? And the Pew Foundation has determined that there is a growing number of Americans that have quit going to church and they profess to be nothings. What do you believe in? Nothing. Where do you go to church? Nowhere. No, 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 no. Nothing, nowhere, nobody. I submit to you. I submit to you that the Scripture is true when it says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. Now, what you're reading here in the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 is the former house. Of course, that is a fulfillment of Joel chapter number 2, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is written in 1 Corinthians This is written to Corinth by the Apostle Paul, probably somewhere around A.D. 20. He went to Ephesus in A.D. 22. He went to Corinth before he went to Ephesus. Approximately A.D. 20. And he was preaching to an unbelieving world just like you and I are. I submit to you. That the reason why a lot of these people have quit church is because the Bible ain't lining up with their experience at church. No, I'm serious. I do this for a living. I think about this. I pray about this. I eat, sleep, drink, breathe this. I believe That you are going to start seeing an increase as the church continues to wean itself off the falsehood of this world and electronics and social media and all the garbage and all the nonsense coming out of Washington, D.C., and we get back to the Word of God. I believe it's happening in degrees. I'm already starting to see it. I'm already starting to feel it. But I believe that you're going to see apostolic power that is genuine. I believe you're going to see apostolic authority that is genuine. I believe we are going to see a manifestation I believe it's right on time. I believe that building across the street is right on time. I believe you being it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'd get in this thing, and I'd dry your eyes and get over it, and I'd be a part of the greatest thing this world has ever seen. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Slowly. Slowly. But surely, you are watching the denominational world lose numbers by the tens and thousands. Well, Pentecost is the fastest growing Christian movement in the world today. It's Pentecost. You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. The reasons why Pentecost is growing so fast is because it's more than you just sitting there. If I was in your shoes, I'd be doing... Guy, gonna preach? My Lord, I'm getting hungry. I'm probably losing weight sitting here. I'll tell you what, honey, when he asks everybody to lift their hands, let you and me slip out. There ain't nothing going on there. If that was the truth, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't blame you for not wanting to commit and actually being a part of what God reveals in that word. But I've talked to enough people, brother David, to find out that it's not that at all. They don't know where they fit in. I don't know if I can ever stand and lift my hands, and I don't know if I can ever dance, and I don't know if I can ever take a lap, and I don't know if I can ever spin. Get the Holy Ghost, and you will. Get the power, and you will. Get regenerated, and you will. Believe the Bible, and you will. Obey the Word of God, and you will get submitted to authority and you will clap your hands and give him praise. This is for everybody. You want to to know what else I believe? I believe that you're going to start seeing a church without walls. Some of you are going to be on the job, and some old subcontractor is going to walk on there. having He's been drinking all weekend long, and his eyes are crossed. The guy smells like a brewery. What happened to you over the weekend? Uh, I'm about to lose it all. And the only th- way he knows how to deal with losing it all is go out and drink it all and try to get away from it. But there's going to be some brother that overhears that, that waits till lunch and knocks on the guy's window and says, hey, you mind if I come in and we have a little prayer meeting and you're going to watch something fill that front seat? The dashboard is going to become part of an altar call. You're You're going to see a church without walls where it's happening on airplanes and it's happening in a bus station and it's happening on the job and it's happening in the street. Somebody lift your voice and shout. That is the power of God unto salvation. I believe that. In First Corinthians chapter number one, God is conf- confronting mankind's flawed and inaccurate judgment. Look at verse number 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. amazing how many people, even in Christendom, technology is provided with people with an opportunity not to have to read their Bibles, not to have to pray. All you got to do is get on YouTube and watch somebody else praying or listen to somebody else that prayed. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I am trying to tell the truth. Look at verse number 26. The foolishness of God is the human interpretation of the gospel. But what is the weakness of God? For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God, has cho- God made a choice to package this in such a way that would be diametrically opposed to the spirit of this world so that seeing they might not see, Using Jesus' interpretation of the sower and the seed and hearing they might not hear because there was no hunger and there was no sincerity and there was no desire to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen yea And things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. I'm going to tell you if they could make an altar call in hell this morning. They'd outdo what happened in Astro World last month, with people being stampeded and crushed to hear a rapper. If they could give an altar call in hell, you'd see them. You'd see people rush for the door. God has chosen the things that are not. I talked to you about the foolishness of God. That comes from an intellectual opinion of the gospel. But what is the weakness of God? And that is not a weakness that God has. That is an observable, opinionated perspective that God is weak. I've already let the cat out of the bag, man. You guys have to worship that way. You guys have to pray that way. You guys have to have church that way. Man, we're demographically important, educated people. We go over here. We don't have to do any of that stuff. You missed it. It's not a have to. It's a get to. Where's God in your picture? Well, right where I left him on Sunday. Honey, Sunday would never be enough for this ex-rocker. I'd have had the needle back in the veins. I'd have been falling off bar stools. I'd have been looking at ripping off houses. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be dead by now. You hear, you hear this preacher this morning. Let me tell you what the weakness of God is. God says, I'm gonna use that one, I'm gonna use that one, I'm gonna use that one, I'm gonna use the worst person I can find, and I'm gonna put my power in them, and I'm gonna let this, I'm gonna find somebody that is so bad off that nobody in this world world will touch him and i'll use that one i'll use paul i'll use a fisherman i'll use a drug addict i'll use a drunk clap your hands lift your voice and give god the praise that no flesh will glory in his presence I had a guy called me, It's been about 12 or 15 years ago now. I couldn't believe my ears when a neighboring pastor says, is this Cornerstone? I said, yes, sir. He said, I got a bunch of drug addicts and drunks in my church. I don't know what to do with them. I'm thinking about sending them all over to your place. I said, there's a welcome mat here. You just send them over here. We'll take every one of them. Because it ain't Pastor Mayo that's going to change him. It's not you that's going to change him. It's the power of God unto salvation that the world calls foolish. That the world says, "I need twelve-step recovery. I need Alcoholics Anonymous. I need Celebrate Recovery." No, you don't. You need an altar. You need the blood. You need the water. You. Somebody shout. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him glory. Go to that scripture, if you would, in Philippians chapter number 3. It should be on that little list, book of Philippians. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Next verse. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Uh, I'm not sure that's my scripture. That's a good one. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 7. This is talking about the incarnation. God... Became a man, but made himself of no. This is why the Jews didn't believe this gospel. He didn't come with a diadem. He didn't come with flowing robes of royalty. Oh, he will, but not the first time. See the first time he came to take away sin. The second time he came to receive people that had overcome sin. Hebrews chapter 9. And everything that's not purified will be destroyed. God is bigger than you've ever dreamed. And he did this to purify a people unto himself. He took upon him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. He had no dwelling place, had no home. Broke bread with sinners, wine bibbers. Who is this self-called prophet? Dining with sinners, letting prostitutes weep over his feet dry his feet with their hair. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was defying the spirits that thought he's going to come a certain way. He's going to act a certain way. He's going to be a certain way. Let's continue to read. Next verse. And being found in fashion as a man. <laughs> if God is willing to humble himself, imagine where pride stands in the presence of God. Imagine where religious Intellectual and human pride stands in the presence of an almighty king that came as a servant and became obedient. Unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's lift our hands right now. The weakness of God. It ain't weak to visit people in the hospital. It's not weak to go and visit the homeless. It's not weak to offer somebody a hot meal. It's not weakness to be kind. It's not weakness. That's strength robed in Christianity. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and say, God, I'm trying to build a life. I just want to make sure that it's built on your strength, that no flesh. And here's the time-tested way. Go with nothing. Nothing. The Jews require a sign. and The Greeks need more knowledge. But the preaching of the cross is to us who are saved. The power. The purpose. The substance. The reason. The lifestyle. The prayer life. The consecration, the devotion, the commitment, the dedication, the reason why I'm living, the direction of my life. This altar's open. Why don't we come and pray today? During this holiday season, let's understand once again That this was he who had all power, willingly became weak, willingly in the presence of the If you need hope today, there's hope in this house. But you got to do it God's way. There's infinite hope. There's infinite strength. There's infinite resource if you're willing to do it God's way. Come, come and freely receive.